0: We're going to be reading from Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, going through verse 11. This is where Jesus calls his first disciples. It's kind of what the chosen is about. Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, one day as Jesus was standing by By the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and he asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let the nets down for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this he fell at Jesus's knees and said go away from me Lord I am a sinful man for he and all his companions were astonished at the catch that they had taken and so were James and John the sons of Zebedee Simon's partners then Jesus said to Simon do not be afraid from now on you will fish for people so they pulled their boats up on the shore left everything and followed him. Let's say our scripture declaration together. Lord, we honor your word to us. May your truth become our hearts pursuit and our life's practice. Heavenly Father, as Pastor Randy comes forward, we know you have prepared a message for him to deliver today. So open our hearts and our minds to hear from you through our pastor this morning. Amen.
1: Y'all didn't see that, did you? Y'all didn't see what I just, I'm so clumsy. Oh my goodness, yeah. I put that on there knowing full well that there was at least 25% of me that wanted to like dance and stuff like that and then I thought I could really do some bad damage to this church if they saw what kind of terrible rhythm I had. Today we are starting a brand new teaching series and it's called empty empty things empty places empty people. And yes, Eric, there is definitely a correlation between the chosen And the words that we're going to be sharing today, the story that he read with you today. And uh, do keep your Bibles open. We'll be referring back to that from Luke chapter 5. But it is important for us to grasp and understand that as Jesus calls his first disciples, we see some things there that relate to us. And if you listen to the scripture as it was being read just a moment ago, you know that what happened was absolutely a turning point In Peter's life. You guys know that, right? As you saw him, basically Jesus comes along and he says, I'm now going to have you fish for men, have you fish for people, however you want to term that. Basically, it's the same thing. Fish for men, fish for women, fish for people. This is now your new vocation. And Peter immediately leaves behind those things that he had used all of his life to earn his living and to define who he was. Now, how many of you guys in here know exactly how that is? I mean, what's the second question you're asking, you know, hey, what's your name? I'm Randy. What do you do? Right? You guys know, that's how it is. We often get defined by what we do as a vocation, right? But the truth of the matter is, is that Peter is not just about to have a change of his heart. He's also have, uh, about to have a change of everything that he's ever done up to this point. And I promise you, he was chosen, y'all see what I did there? He was chosen to be Jesus' disciple But it wasn't by accident. This is a very important part that you must grasp. Nobody would have thought Peter would be the guy that Jesus would say, this is the one that's going to be the head of the Son of God's disciples. He was just not that guy. He was a fisherman, he was brash, he was loud. You probably, like me, would have figured it would be somebody from the temple or somebody from the the groups that were called the religious elite or maybe even John the Baptist. But no, none of them were chosen to be the leader of the disciples. Instead, it was Peter. And I want to just mention something to you. This name of the message series As we look through the different people that Jesus calls to be a part of his outer and inner circles, it's important that we grasp that every time he called them to come and join him, to come and follow him, they were leaving behind something. But let's be very clear, they weren't leaving something behind where they weren't going to have something that replaced it that was far, far, far more valuable. You guys understand? Now, let's be very clear about something. How many of you know the name of another fisherman from the Sea of Galilee from around the, the, the 0 B.C. era to about the 25 B.C. era if they did not know about them because they were followers of Jesus? Not a single one. He brought them from obscurity and brought them to a place of prominence. Their life ceased to be just kind of meandering, and it became incredibly meaningful. He brought them from a life of emptiness to a life of purpose. And nothing has changed about who Jesus is and what he does. When he calls you, he's calling you from a life that ultimately leads to emptiness, no matter how good or well-intentioned you might be. He calls you away from the life that brings emptiness towards a life of meaning and purpose. But you and I have to decide, as Peter did, I'm leaving this that I know behind so that I might embrace something that I know the one who is offering would never offer me less than what I'm leaving behind. If you guys are with me, y'all say amen. Okay? So this is where Peter is. He's empty, but he doesn't look it on the surface. And that's really important, too. Because if you begin to look a little deeper than the surface, you realize that most of us are living lives of quiet desperation, as it was once said. You know, the truth is, is that we're often feeling very empty, but we don't put it into words. Because when you're asked how you're doing, y'all already know that four-letter word you're going to say, don't you? I'm doing fine. And you probably are. You know, you're doing Fine. Because we're not really asking how you're doing. We're just moving along, right? You know, have you ever had somebody say, well, I tell you, I'm not actually fine. I'm really having, okay, great. You know, you just keep walking because that's not what we're doing. But the truth is, is that if we go a little deeper, we all realize that most of us aren't actually fine. We're struggling because we find ourselves pursuing things that we know leave us empty. And that's really important. Now, as we looked at this passage of Scripture that Eric just read from the book of Luke, you will see a very, very abbreviated version in the books of Matthew and Mark. So these three Gospels, what are often called the synoptic, which means to see together or see at the same time, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all talk about this um, encounter, but they do it in a very different way. Matthew and Mark are very, very short. Luke goes deeper. So let's go to our next slide here and check this out. We're going to read from Matthew chapter 4, and we're going to kind of look at what we see in this encounter in the other Gospels. So as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, and let's hit pause real quick. You guys see that little asterisk? That little asterisk there reminds me to tell you that the Sea of Galilee actually had at least three names. It was called the Lake of Gennesaret, the Lake of Kinesaret, and also the Sea of Tiberias. So they're all the same body of water, but they're just known by different names, sometimes according to whether they're Greek names or Jewish names, historical names, or common or modern names, and so they just shift. And so I don't want you to get confused that this is a different story. No, no, it's the same story. They're just calling the, the body of water that it's happening on a very different name, also known as the Sea of Tiberias as well. So as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. And then we go to the next slide. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee and his brother, John. So there's two sets of brothers in the disciples, Peter and Andrew, James and John. These are sometimes called the sons of Zebedee. And they were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father, and, their father, and they followed him. In other words, they left everything behind and said, Dad, you're going to have to hold down the family business. We've been called to a higher calling. This is what's happening in Matthew, and basically almost word for word in Mark. But Luke goes a little deeper. And I want to go to this next slide, and this is our first something to learn. Matthew and Mark's Gospels give us a very brief version of the calling of the first disciples. While these accounts don't contradict Luke's Gospel, it is Luke's account that offers insight, clarity, and depth to their sudden decision to follow Jesus. In other words, there's a backstory that you don't get if you just simply read through the book of Matthew and Mark. We're going to look at it in the book of Luke just a little bit. Let's go to our next slide. And this is a little bit of it. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. And who is Simon, everyone? Simon Peter, okay? Sometimes known as Simon, sometimes known as Peter. Now, Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And she got up at once and began to wait on them. And let's go to our next slide. And at sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness. And laying his hands on each one, he healed them moreover demons came out of many people shouting you are the son of god but he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he is and was the messiah so what's going on here if you look a little deeper is peter knows who jesus is when he shows up at the side of his boat and asking for it to be a pulpit You guys understand what I'm saying? He knew him. He saw his work firsthand. And that work involved something very personal to heal his mother-in-law. Now, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, men, but his mother-in-law did get healed, right? Okay. So, mothers-in-law, if you're here, I'm just kidding. I love you. You know they're the problem, not you. I just want you to know that we're here, right? Okay. So, yes, Peter's mother-in-law was healed when all of that happened. Um, Peter was watching. And then, when the mother in law was healed from that high fever and she was up, that is not where it ended. Jesus was there. Word began to spread, and they began to bring other people who had problems, illnesses, diseases, and Jesus began to heal them too. And then there were even some who were mentally and spiritually oppressed and let me just tell you i do believe that demonic forces and influence and even demonic possession is a real thing i do not believe that it is just something that simply went away back in the day it's something that we don't often see here in our very modern and very anti-spiritual society but i do believe that it is true in many ways and respects because a I've heard people's stories about this, as well as Jesus treated it as a real thing. He treated it as a real thing, and the Bible says that it was real. And so the Bible tells us that Jesus came across people who were being tormented by evil spirits, and he cast them out. Basically, if it was broken, you came to Jesus, and you left with it fixed, Now, I don't know if any of you guys can say amen to that, but man, that's me. That's my life story. When it's broken, I bring it to Jesus, and he fixes it when I cannot. And here is where Peter's emptiness crosses paths with Jesus' fullness. You guys see where I'm going with this? When he sees him the next day, Peter is ready. He's sitting on ready. Now, I I I don't get down in a track stance the way that I used to, but I actually have been in track blocks before. I know you can't look at me now in my advanced age, but do you guys know what I'm talking about when you're like you're down in that stance, you know, and you're like you just snap that gun and I'm ready to explode out of it. You know what I'm talking about? Peter was primed and ready to move with whatever Jesus said. I can tell you, though, I don't believe that Peter thought he's going to call me to be his right-hand man. I think he said in his own mind, whatever it is, I'm doing it, but surely it wouldn't be anything important. (laughs) Isn't it funny how God's plans are very, very different than ours sometimes and how he sees us for what we can become, not for what we are right now it's so good let's keep going here and let's move on and this is the other something to learn simon's a very common name in new testament times at least eight other men named simon are known in the pages of the new testament jesus was said to have called simon by the new name of peter which means rock in greek and that's what he calls him in luke chapter six and so if you don't know this guy right here is not the original rock i just want you to know that And this is why he is not the original rock. Just wait there for a minute. i got to tell you guys this story. This one on the left is a real photograph from back in the day. And so I'm always giving my my wife a hard time about her loving the rock more than me and all that stuff. She has never confirmed nor denied. I I don't know what that means. I think I know what that means, but I don't want to really know what that means. But he was on Saturday Night Live the other day, and he recreated the old thing that he did, not like as a funny thing, but as a real thing. But now you see him there. And I just want you to know, Kevin Hart could not let this go. Yes, Kevin Hart was on, was on his Halloween business. And he was like, yeah, I'm going as the rock back in the day. And those two started a movie together. But hey, if you don't remember anything else... This is not the real or original rock, not the one on the left, nor the one on the right. The original rock is Peter, okay, just so y'all know. All right, that was your little mental break. All right, we're going to keep going. We're going to get back to what, okay, back to important stuff. (laughs) This is Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, and there's just so much in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, and if you will allow me to just kind of paraphrase it. If you don't know, the book of Ecclesiastes is written by the the wisest man who ever lived. His name is Solomon. He was David's son. He asked the Lord for wisdom instead of riches, and so God gave him both. It's interesting how we've talked the last couple of weeks about seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these other things are going to be added to you as well. He literally asked for wisdom whenever God said, you just ask me for whatever you want, and I will grant it to you. He asked for wisdom. He became the wisest man who's ever lived, wrote all of the Proverbs, and also wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. In that book and in chapter 2, he goes through and he says, I tried this. I tried this. I did this. I started this. I turned my heart towards doing these things. I gained this. I did these things. I've done it all. And at the end of it all, at the end of all of this long list of the things that he shares that he's done or purchased or, or, or learned or any of these things, he comes away in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. He says, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all of my toil. Now, let me just stop right there. And isn't this the way that the the world is telling us? You know, if you really want to beat emptiness, here's what you do. You get a big old pile of money, and you can do anything in the world that you want. I already told you Solomon was the richest man in the world. And here's what he said. If I wanted it, I got it. If I I didn't have it, I bought it. (laughs) If it wasn't built, I built it. And whatever I wanted to do, I did it. And then in verse 11, yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done, everything I'd worked to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind, and nothing was gained under the sun. Can I just sum that up in one word? Solomon said it was all empty, just empty. It was just empty. So the only thing that brings us meaning is something that goes beyond the wildest dreams and the world's prescription for what is right and what is good and what will actually bring you, you know, enjoyment. And so it's so important that we grasp and don't miss this. And this is what we need to see. Life-changing power of the event that happened for Peter was not in what was taught. It was how he responded to the teaching and the teacher. And here's why this is important. For you and for me, if we're waiting around and going, you know, one day I just want to feel that really big thing, that really big emotion that grabs me and takes me to a whole nother level whenever it comes to things of God and and, and erases the emptiness that I know I'm struggling in my soul. (laughs) I want to share something with you and I want to take a little detour and here's what I really want you to hear. Don't miss this. When they tell this story, Jesus says to Peter, in the New Texas translation, Hey, man, can I use your boat? People are pressing me. And if you'll give me just a little bit of a buffer, I'll get in the, brow, the bow of your boat, and they'll have a little bit of space between me and them. I'll teach them, and then you can take me back to the shore. That's the arrangement. That's as much as we know about Jesus' teaching, where it was happening, and why Peter was involved in the first place. You guys with me? Here's what I want to tell you. If you are waiting for this perfect teaching, this perfect thing to grab you in the perfect way, and every word to be perfect, and it hits you at the perfect day, and the perfect moment, and the perfect window, man, God can do that. But can I tell you something that would be much better for you? Stop worrying about those perfect things that you have nothing to do with and make yourself perfectly ready to hear what God has to say as much as you possibly can. Because the truth of the matter is is that what Peter realized was he's in the track blocks, he's ready to hear that, and as soon as he hears it, he's sprinting towards Jesus and any involvement that he can get with him. Take away this emptiness and bring me something that has meaning. I've seen you doing your work. I've seen what you do. I've seen people who come to you broken and you put them back together. They go away different people. Let me be a part of that in whatever small way. If it's the the edge of my boat at the edge of the lake, that's fine. But if there's more, just say the word. He was waiting and sitting on go. Go. And Jesus didn't even share in his word what he said. He just said, Peter left it all behind. Now, here's what I would say. I don't think Jesus said the perfect thing at the perfect time in the perfect way. I think he found somebody who was perfectly good with walking away from what I've been doing so I can now start doing what you're doing. Because that's what's working. And I'm, I'm here to tell you something and I mean this genuinely and sincerely, in our world, man, there's so many voices that say so much stupid stuff. And they tell you to look for things that probably will never come your way. And they will tell you that it's only right when this happens, and you'll know it when this. And all of this silliness that you're waiting for might have you waiting for years and even decades and maybe even a lifetime And you'll look around and you'll realize that you're sitting amongst wasted years, wasted opportunity, and wasted potential. When if you were just sitting in those track blocks ready to hear the snap, as soon as it came, you could have changed your life. You could have gone in a new direction. And all of the emptiness that you've been sitting amongst for all of these years could have been taken away. But you waited because you read something crazy on the internet that wasn't even true. You could say amen if you wanted to. I'm just saying. You know what I'm saying? I mean, tell your kids this stuff. If they're in here, nudge them. That's true. I mean, because we've got a little bit more perspective than they are. We got a little earlier start. That's perspective. It's not that they're wrong. It's just that they haven't seen enough to know as much as we do. Nudge your kids and say, that's true. We are the ones who determine the life that we choose we should make it a whole lot more important for us to find God's plan and to walk away from the emptiness. We respond to the teaching and the teacher. That's so much more important than what was said. Let's go to our next slide here. And I believe this is the big idea. Emptiness in ourselves pushes us to find fullness in God. Emptiness in ourselves pushes us to find fullness in God. Would you guys say that out loud with me? On the count of three, ready? One, two, three. Emptiness in ourselves pushes us to find fullness in God. C.S. Lewis has a great quote. I've already had it up on the screen here in the back, and you can see it here. If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. In another place in Ecclesiastes, he says, you have put eternity in the hearts of man In other words, we know instinctively that we were built for more than just this. And when we feel that emptiness, instead of feeling the desperation and the emptiness of those who do not know the king and the creator of this world, what it ought to do is it ought to drive us to a place of more dependence, more connection, and more engagement with the God who made us. That is where we find healing for that broken spot that is there or if we've never known him that totally broken life man i'm not calling you out i'm just telling it like it is because i've been there man we've all been there i promise you there's not a single person who looks good smells good sounds good today who hasn't been there at least once or twice or three times in their life can i get an amen right we're not pretending around here that we're all perfect so if we're all broken and it's just a question of leaving it behind or staying there. I invite you to join us that are leaving it behind and moving towards those things where we leave the emptiness and find purpose and meaning instead. All right, so let's talk about some of the things that we use to fill up our life. So let's talk about some Phillips in our life, okay? Oh, (laughs) Phillips, Phillips, different kind of Phillips here. Anybody know who the left one, the left top is? Y'all know who that is? Can you feel it coming in the air tonight? Here's what I got to tell you. I'm sorry if your name is Phil. You, you don't have a ton of namesakes that you really like need to be super proud of. Phil Collins was ranked number one, and he hasn't had a hit in this millennia, right? I mean, God bless him. I, I think maybe Tarzan, the movie. Any of you? All right. I'm going to keep moving. All right. You guys know who the guy on the right is? Phillips. Seymour Hoffman, you guys know, unfortunately, not Canadian, dead. He passed, so you probably recognize him, but haven't seen him recently. How many of you guys know who the guy on the bottom left is? You all know who that is, right? I saw on the list, he's ranked ranked number 155 out of 157 daytime hosts. That's a brutal website. If I'm Dr. Phil, I'm suing and never going on there ever again. Or my favorite Phil, the Philippines. Can I get an amen from some people? Thank you. All right. I thought I'd at least bring a smile to y'all's face. Yes, the most beautiful thing on there is not Phil Collins, Philip Seymour Hoffman, or Dr. Phil. It is the Philippines. Okay. Other kinds of Philips in our life. The things that we use to fill up our lives and try to bring meaning, try to close off that emptiness As one person said in a book called The Seasons of Life, or Season of Life, excuse me, men and women also too, but men especially, try to win with the billfold in the bedroom or on the ball field, and we think that makes us a success. It's not true. Some people pursue knowledge and intellect, and in doing so, they think they've found something that's going to fill the emptiness. Some by popularity and following, and man, you can go a long ways down that rabbit hole in our modern world. There's even some that try to fill up their life with good emotions, positivity only, nothing but good vibes, right? You know, keep calm, keep going, all that stuff, happiness, and anything that's novel or new, anything that kind of gets us going and is brand new, that's what we get. Or how many of you guys know somebody at least, and, and we're all talking about a friend, not ourselves, I know, but how many of you have ever let your life be full of the bad kind of emotions like frustration, hurt, and anger? You know somebody, right? We all know somebody, not that we've ever done, done that, but we all know somebody. Or what about the escape and just the distraction? I mean, man, there's so much that I could go in on that. I mean, the escape of drugs and alcohol, the distraction of a brand new relationship. You know, there are people that end up distracting themselves away from a marriage that actually would work and be very, very fulfilling for them, but they're just so addicted to the distraction that they, they ruin everything that they've got, and then they fall, find it all to be emptiness. I could preach like a whole sermon series on that slide alone, but I'm going to keep moving. So, check it out. Solomon in Ecclesiastes, once again, says, I've seen it all. It's meaningless. It's a chasing after the wind. Nothing to be gained. Nothing to see here. I encourage you, the best way to learn a lesson is let somebody else learn it for you, and then you take notes, (laughs) and then you take action. Because they get the lumps, (laughs) they got the debt, they got the problems, they got all the drama, and then you get the lesson for free. I encourage you, learn from someone else's mistake and don't go down that road. And so as we keep going here, I wanna talk about the things that reveal sometimes in our lives that we are empty. And I just wanna go through them, there's about four, I'm gonna hit them pretty quick. So let's talk about them here. First of all, one thing that reveals that you might be um, dealing with uh, emptiness in your life. You can go to the next slide, please. A lack of success. Whenever Jesus meets Peter, what is he saying? Lord, we've been fishing all night. (laughs) We're wrung out, we're tired, we're done. I'll let you sit on the edge of my boat or stand in the bow of my boat, but when that's done, I'm going home, I'm going to get me some sleep, and I'm going to try to forget the wasted hours that I've been out on this lake and haven't got a single fish to show for it. By the way, fishing is my life, not for fun, but for my job. Right? Right? So a lack of success tells him maybe this isn't exactly all that it's cracked up to be. You guys ever had that experience where the lack of success doesn't just feel like, oh, things didn't work out. It makes you question stuff and you go, am I really pursuing the right thing here? How many of y'all have ever had that before, right? Okay, so what about the next one? A huge success. (laughs) It reveals our emptiness too. In what way? You're like, Randy, you're talking about both sides of your mouth. Maybe I am. I don't know. But here's what I would say. Talking out of both sides of your mouth, huge success, lack of success, the lack of success we've already talked about, the huge success, you get everything that you ever want, and then it still feels, y'all know the word I'm going for, empty. How many of y'all have done that? You got everything that you ever wanted, exactly what you thought would bring you happiness, that certain thing, that certain person, that certain job, that certain status, that certain recognition, and then it still felt empty. What else? A moment of stillness and quiet can reveal emptiness. Have y'all ever had that? <laughs> it's, no, it's no real surprise that if we go away and we actually find some time to be out in nature and away from some of the technology that keeps us busy we sometimes come back with a different perspective. How many of you have ever had that experience before, right? I mean, if it's just like a day on the lake, if you're a fisherman or a day hiking in the woods or whatever, if you're a hunter or just love to get out, or maybe you just want to go and take pictures of the blue bonnets or something like that, you just shut off everything, you get some still and you get some quiet, and suddenly some of the voices that you didn't even think still existed in your head start talking to you. Why? Because stillness and quiet reveal to us where our heart is. And sometimes our heart has been crying out, but it's been drowned out. And it's been telling us that we're empty, but we haven't been listening. And y'all know what we normally do, don't you? If we can feel just a little bit of that thing starting to bubble up to the surface, we throw more stuff on top of it so we don't think about it. Because that feeling of emptiness that puts a, a pit in your stomach and a longing in your heart and a despondency almost, that I'm doing a lot of stuff but not doing it for the right reasons. Y'all know what I'm saying, I know you do. And so what is it all about? (laughs) A moment of stillness and quiet can reveal it. This is Wuhan, China, right after the coronavirus. Did any of you guys see pictures like this in Houston, Texas? Oh my goodness, did you realize that there was nobody getting on I-610 from 59 Southwest Freeway. It was incredible. First time in history nobody was actually trying to get on the 610 loop from the 59 Southwest Freeway. It was shocking. I'm telling you, shocking. Because everybody just stopped. And nothing was moving the way that it was before. It was an enforced thing of stillness and quiet. But even further, you go to this next slide and you can see it, a change in our normal life. A change in our normal life. I don't know if you guys know this or not. I I, I don't really talk about it because it's not necessarily my place to share, but there's probably at least six or seven people that are a part of this church, whether it's, let's just call them households, a person or a, a couple or a family, six or seven people that have moved significant distances from this place here in our community all happening during the pandemic y'all know about that right that's a thing people like moving literally across the country y'all might be watching from boston right now if you are good to see you miss you guys y'all come back to the warm weather just saying we miss you right so people that are here and a part of our church body now living all the way across the country. Why? Because their interruption of their normal life said we're going to reevaluate our priorities. I think Peter reevaluated stuff. He had this huge success. Everything was a little different. He had had moments between when it happened at his mother-in-law's house and then the thing that Jesus did. And then whenever he pulls the net in, he... The professional fisherman who had spent all day and night fishing and got nothing. And that's my kind of fishing. That's how I do when I go fishing. I get nothing but sunburn. That's it. That's all. Peter, the professional fisherman who knew how to do it, had his nets empty. He's frustrated as he can be. And this rabbi who he respects, but respectfully, sir, I disagree, I don't need to go back out. I've already been out all night. Need I remind you? Jesus says, and Peter goes, since it's you, (laughs) I'll do it. He drops the net, and they can't even pull the thing into the boat because there's just so many fish. And in that moment of huge success, the emptiness of doing it his own way hits Peter full force and he falls at the knees of Jesus as the word God says that, you know, that Eric just read and he said, go away from me. I'm a sinful man. I don't deserve to be in your presence because clearly you've got something else happening that I know nothing of and isn't present in me. You're just different and I'm not like you we probably can't get along because it'll only be a matter of time before you are ready to go in the different direction from a guy like me. In a lot of ways, this is where we find ourselves because it's almost hard to admit the emptiness even to the one who can take it away. Because we have this thing in the back of our minds that says it's only a matter of time until he's not here and doesn't want to be with me anymore because it's only a matter of time until he figures out exactly who I am and what I'm all about. (laughs) Jesus says, come with me. I've got a whole new life for you. And the beautiful thing that this season always reminds me is though even though Peter denies Jesus three times. When the angel speaks to the disciples, he says, go tell the disciples and especially Peter that he will come and see you and he will be with you again. That's the New Texas Translation. He calls him out by name. Your dismissals, your denials, your disrespect, does not chase Jesus off. And it isn't because of you being worthwhile. It's because he loves you that much. But don't let it leave you in the emptiness because your mind will play tricks on you. So very quickly, St. Augustine says these words. He says, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you let's go to our next slide here don't miss it simon peter has to discard his plans to discover christ's plan and this is so important all of this stuff that i've been sharing with you it is all here but now here is where check please (laughs) we slide this across the table to you peter didn't say this is awesome we're going to be the best fishing department in this entire lake I've got news for you, Jesus. You are now the CFO of our business. This is fantastic. The chief fishing officer, you are him. Wherever we need fish, we're coming to you. Doesn't work like that, does it? Jesus didn't come to be anybody's CFO, (laughs) chief fishing officer, chief financial officer, if that's you and your thing. He walked away from his plans to get on God's plan and said, you're the CEO. Where you say go, that's where I go. Big difference. Here's the check, please. (laughs) If you are still trying to get God to be a part of your plans, the emptiness will remain. Because doing it your way is how you got broken in the first place. So I know it's not easy to walk away from it, but it is absolutely necessary, or you're just going to still stay empty and broken. But if you will walk from your way and follow his, he says, I've got a whole new plan for your life. All right, so very quickly, I want to talk a little bit about another miracle catch that happens Another miracle catch that happens actually after Jesus is resurrected. And I'm drawn to a close. But here's something so important. If you read this story at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, and then you read another one that is going on after he has been resurrected, it's so similar in so many ways that they can't help but say, It's the Lord. So check it out. John chapter 21, verses two and three. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus or the twin, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, the other fishermen. The two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we're gonna go with you. So they went out, they got in the boat, but that night they caught what? Nothing. Another lack Another swing and a miss, another wasted night. But early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. The disciples didn't realize it was him. So he calls out to them, friends, have you any fish? No, they answered. He says, well, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. You'll see where he's going with this. Doing the same thing he did the last time. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. And then the next slide will tell you more. And then the disciple who Jesus loved, that's, that's John, by the way, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he'd taken it off and he jumped into the water. Peter once again is in the starting blocks and he says, I denied you, but if you're there on the shore, I want to come and I want to look in your eyes and I want to let you know that that wasn't me. That wasn't what I wanted. I might have denied you, but that's not me. And so John says, it's the Lord, just like it happened before. And Peter's like, yes, you're right. And he grabs his outer cloak, ties it around him and into the water, swimming as fast as he can get there, leaves the guys in the boat trying to figure out how to pull in the catch and pull in the nets. It's all happening, lickety split, and it's going off very quickly. And then Jesus and Peter are reunited. Cool story, huh? (laughs) How Jesus knows how to reach us and how he's willing to reach into our emptiness and give us something that helps us to be full. So very, very quickly, I would just simply say as we begin our message series, I want to remind you of this. A full vessel can take no more. A full glass cannot be poured into. It will just simply overflow. But if you empty yourself of self, if you empty yourself of your own plan and begin to get on his, if you empty yourself of busyness, distractions, pleasures, pains, and all the things that you have allowed to crowd out, the emptiness will remain And that's when you raise your hand and say, I'm ready. I'm in the starting blocks. You just say the word, and I'm back with you again, and I'm on your plan once more. It's just that easy. So here's the big question. Have you lost sight of your purpose? Stopped following Christ's plan? Started using your own? I'm here to tell you that that's the way to emptiness, but the Father in the same way that he's watching for the prodigal to come home he's watching for you and i to say i've had all the emptiness i want (laughs) there is a passage of scripture in luke chapter 15 in that story that is my favorite part of the story the bible says but when he came to himself the young man said How many people are in my father's house in this very moment and they've got food enough and to spare and here I am about to die of hunger wishing that I could eat what the pigs have refused. He came to himself. Prodigal son, come to yourself. You already know it just ends in emptiness, man. Why keep pursuing that path? Prodigal daughter, You've been trying to lay stuff on top of that so you don't feel that emptiness. I'm telling you, now is your day. Walk away from the emptiness and allow the Lord to bring you back to a place of wholeness, fullness, completeness, purpose, and meaning. That's just what he does. Here's how you apply this message. You make some room in your life. You clear out that space so that you can be filled and I would just recommend to you you need to make a move today and here's why I say that because the truth is is that for most of us if we don't make a move today then we won't make a move. <laughs> we'll keep it on the back burner until it makes its way so far back that we can't even see it anymore. So I would encourage you make a move today. Whether that's jumping on that challenge that challenge for Lent that i Talked about getting on a reading plan of the scriptures that you know that you should have been reading but haven't made way or made room or maybe you need to commit to some things to leave behind or to begin some things that you know that should have already been involved in your life I cannot play the, the role of the Holy Spirit and speak perfectly to each and every one of you but if you're in the starting blocks this is your moment this is your gun Jump in and take advantage and make a move today. Call somebody, say something that you should have said a long time ago, and make this a day where you say, you know what, enough of my plan and enough of my emptiness and brokenness. I'm instead going towards the one who brings me fullness and hope. Heavenly Father, as we end our time together, we are asking that you, Lord, would be glorified and lifted up. You are the one who brings us peace joy, and fullness. And as your word says, in my presence is joy and fullness everlasting. And God, we claim that today, especially if we have been walking too far down the path of feeling so empty. Lord, may our emptiness drive us towards your fullness, and may we seek it in you and you alone. In Jesus' name we pray.